Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning into the 39th episode on August 3rd, 2021. Let's talk about the epic, unique, large-leafed bird of paradise. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. And make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. Hello, hello. Today, obviously, we're here to talk about the beautiful bird of paradise. And like I said, they are epic, large-leafed, and super unique. They have a very well-known flower to them and a very identifiable leaf as well, at least in the houseplant community. The leaf literally looks like a banana leaf and an elephant ear leaf kind of combined. It looks like a giant paddle, something you look like you should be fanning yourself with. And then the flower actually looks like a bird, or at least like the beak and the head of a bird, and that is why it's called bird of paradise. So there are not a lot of varieties or cultivars to this. I'm I'm sure somewhere in the world there has been made, but most of the time when you're looking for this plant at a plant shop or a garden center, you're going to find it labeled as bird of paradise with the flower color. So when I bought mine, I got bird of paradise orange, and that was it. There are going to be about about five from what I collected from my research varieties, but there's no common names for them. It's all Latin names, and I'll kind of go over them. So the one you're going to find the most in garden centers, it won't necessarily be labeled as this, but this is more than likely the one you will be buying if you're buying it from a plant shop. The Latin name is Strelitzia reginae, I think, reginae. And this is the most popular one. It's a shorter grower when it comes to bird of paradise, though. It can reach upwards of maybe six feet around there, and it has a little bit of a larger orange flower. So I'm going to use larger and smaller orange flower in a couple descriptions. Larger meaning it gets bigger than about two or three inches. The next plant is Strelitzia nicolai, and this is a taller grower in the great outdoors, it gets about 20 feet, but indoors it might reach maybe 15. It really depends on your environment. This one has a white and blue flower, mostly white with a couple of blue accents to it. From my evidence of where I was finding things, the next two plants also have white flowers with a little bit of blue, but this one specifically pointed out the blue, so it must have more blue in it. So the next one is Strelitzia alba, which is One of the tallest growers that gets upwards of 30 feet probably doesn't get that large, obviously, in your home, really dependent on the environment, everything you have it in, but it's a very large grower, and that one also has a white flower. The next one is Strelitzia caudata, I think. That one is about the same size as the Nikolai, about 20 feet, maybe indoors around 15 feet, who knows, also with a white flower. And the last one, Strelitziae Junsea, I believe, is also a shorter grower. It gets about six feet and it has a smaller orange flower, meaning that the flower maybe is about two, three inches wide tall. 
the Reginae or the Regine is the, probably the most popular one and the one you're going to find in the garden centers. That's the one that is called out in a lot of the houseplant books. A lot. I mean, it was only called out in two of all of my houseplant books. I only found two books that had Bird of Paradise in them, but they both had the Regine in it. And when I was doing research online, trying to figure out if there were actual cultivars and stuff, that is what I found most commonly. The Nikolai was the second most common one that I found. So, Garden centers are not usually going to be labeled those names, but when you're buying one, more than likely, it's going to be Rilaginae or the Nikolai. Cool. Okay, so let's jump into the sun requirements, and then we'll continue into water, fertilize, all that stuff. These plants are pretty simple, but they're considered difficult because of their needs, if this makes sense. So, sun requirements are pretty straightforward but hard sometimes to accomplish as a houseplant. So, Bird of Paradise need literally as much light as possible that you can give them. So, bright direct sunlight is preferred. Bright indirect light is good too, but they can handle a medium light as well. They just thrive a lot better. They grow a lot better in the brightest light possible. If you're looking to get a bloom on these, it's going to take a long time and you have to put it in bright light. Otherwise, it's probably not going to happen, especially for a house plant. That's kind of sun requirements, as bright of light as you could possibly give it. I have mine sitting in a south window right now and it's doing really good. It's really, really small. I got it for like, I think I bought it for $8 in a six inch pot, so it's pretty small. But a lot of times you're going to find Bird of Paradise larger, like in 10 to 12 inch pots. And trying to find the space for that, one, and the lighting requirements for that, two, in a house is sometimes a little bit difficult. So it can survive in medium light still. So really in any window is best. But putting in that bright direct or bright indirect is very much preferred. Okay, let's jump into water requirements, fertilizer, and yeah. Then we'll keep going. Okay, so for water requirements, it's pretty straightforward. Honestly, it, the watering side of things is not that difficult for Bird of Paradise. The sunlight is probably going to be your hardest thing to accomplish when you're trying to get the best environment for these. But watering is when it's almost dry or dry. So these are pretty drought tolerant. These are pretty drought tolerant as house plants. So watering. Honestly, it's a medium to low watering is the way to go for these. They obviously don't like to be sitting in water, so it prefers to be underwatered rather than overwatered. But if you leave it too long and you leave the soil too dry for too long, you might notice that the leaves start to curl and the edges will start to brown. So if you're concerned about the moisture, you could always get a moisture meter reader. I have that link on my blog post. Basically, it's just Amazon of all the options you might have. And then another thing you could do that is super helpful for this plant that's honestly, I would consider it a huge asset to this plant if you're able to do it. But if you're able to add humidity, that is really important. They don't necessarily need constant high humidity, but even if you were to place it near a humidifier and turn it on every other day or mist it, or there's several options you can do here, but adding that extra humidity will help the plant, help the blooms eventually. It will take a long time no matter what, but it could increase your chances of that happening. So I also linked some of the extra things to help raise your humidity on my blog post as well. If you wanted to look at it and see if you needed to add humidity, that would be a resource as well. Water requirements, basically medium to low. If you're really debating it, do low. And then high humidity is preferred and really 
an asset to this plant, but not necessary. For example, in my Plantopedia book, it says low humidity, but in my practical houseplant book, it says high humidity. So obviously it can survive in both environments, but it really thrives in the higher humidity. I have mine next to my humidifier, but I probably turn that thing on. If I can remember and I'm diligent about it, I turn it on every day, but when I'm not, I turn it on every other day. When I'm out of town, it maybe gets turned on once every few days. So just to put it in perspective, I did get spider mites on my bird of paradise and I think it was just lack of moisture in the air and that is why. So that is also a benefit to misting or adding humidity is that you have a less likely chance to get that problem as well. Okay, jumping into fertilizer and it's not really changed much from every other plant that I've talked about. So I currently use the Espoma Indoor Liquid Plant Food. I fertilize every about every two weeks when I water my plants starting end of February to about October, but I use about one half to one fourth of the recommended amount of fertilizer when I do it. I talked about in the last podcast that I was going to order Fox Farm fertilizer. I have not started using it. I wanted to get rid of my Espoma fertilizer, but eventually I will start using the Fox Farm one as well. But I was looking at the two books that talked about Bird of Paradise. And the one book that actually detailed exactly what the fertilizer should be, according to them, was the Practical Houseplant book. It says, apply a balanced liquid fertilizer every two weeks from spring to fall. So that's like basically what I do. (laughs) I just cut the dosage in a little bit, um, but that's about it. I do fertilize one more time in winter. Um, And it's not recommending you do that here. It's almost not necessary, but that's just another source as well. And as I always say, there's not a specific product. There's not a specific, really a specific way to be doing this right or wrong. It's really your preference and what you want. You could do a granular, you could do a liquid, you could not fertilize at all and your plants might be just fine or you can... Well, you can fertilize too much. That's why they're always recommending to use a little bit less, but that is the only downfall to fertilizing. So that's fertilizer. All right, let's get into propagation and all the other facts and the Instagram Q&A then. Okay, so propagation, literally there's not a lot of options for this. So Bird of Paradise is not a plant that you can necessarily, I guess, propagate off of. You can't take a stem and root it or anything like that. The only thing you can do is divide this plant just like you would a peony or a hosta in your own yard and I would just wait till it's a bit more mature before you go and cut the plant in half or or pull the roots apart. Obviously both sections are going to take a little bit of time to recover but they'll be good to go. They're pretty resilient plants, so you shouldn't have to worry about it too much. I would just wait till it gets a little bit older and then obviously place it in Place both pieces in new rich soil. Make sure you're giving it enough water while it's recovering. Even fertilizing a little bit in that time will also help the root stimulation and the new growth from growing. So that's it for propagation. That's super short compared to the other podcasts, but there's really no other option besides that. Okay, so for the other facts, there is a few things I want to address. So this is part of the Strelitziae family. It's originally native to South Africa, but it can be grown in lots of different tropical places now. Obviously, in the North America areas, California, Florida, those places, these can grow outside. Originally native to South Africa. When it's in its native habitat, it looks like a giant shrub, I guess. It doesn't really have a trunk like a tree. It grows out from the base, kind of like a thicker, thicker grass, I guess it looks like. It's what the stem looks like from the base and then it looks like it just has a fan to the top of it. In your house it can really grow 
upwards of six feet for the shorter varieties, upwards of maybe 15 feet for the larger varieties, even larger than that. But it super depends on the environment and the variety that you get. So if you have, let's say, a greenhouse in your house, well, that sucker could probably get pretty big if you have the taller variety. If you have it sitting in a north window with no humidity, it's probably not going to get as large as it could. So just putting that into perspective, there's no exact height it's going to get, even if you know the variety. These plants can get very top heavy, so I would make sure you either plant it in a heavier base pot or just keep it in a plastic pot and put that plastic pot in a cash pot. That way it won't tip over. <laughs> so I know that's just a totally random fact, but if you have a really large plant, it would be a lot smarter to just plant it in that plastic pot and then use a cash pot as the base of it to help it from tipping over especially if you have these outside and the wind is blowing but if even if you has, uh, have it as a house plant it could be a problem if they're super top heavy i know i've talked about the blooms a few times but they do bloom it's not as likely as a house plant but it definitely can still happen it will take years it takes a very long time for these to actually bloom and depending on the variety you're going to have an orange colored flower or a white with blue colored flower and to increase the chance of blooming, you are going to be putting it in direct sunlight and adding humidity every day. Those are the key, really key points to getting that thing to bloom, especially if you have a little bit more mature of a plant. Now for me, I have a teeny tiny plant that was in a six inch pot and mine is not going to bloom probably until the end of time. So I still have mine in a south window and I still have mine near the humidifier, but I am not growing it for the flower at this point. I am literally growing it to have a nice bird of paradise foliage. <laughs> so that is that with the flowers. The other and last thing is that it is toxic to pets and humans. So just be cautious of that. I do have that extra podcast and blog about it. I think it was podcast episode 31 if you want to check it out. And I have links to the blog and the podcast on this blog. If you need more info, there you go. Okay. So those are all the other facts. And then I have the Instagram Q&A, which I have two questions today. Again, for the Instagram Q&A, I usually pose the question for what the upcoming podcast is on the day that podcasts are released. And then I do it one or two more times in addition to that on Instagram and Facebook stories. And you can comment right there and say what your question is for that particular plant. I screenshot all of the questions and I save them so I can answer them in this section. So watch out for that. If you're not following me on social media to get those questions, definitely do that. If you want to message me somehow, you can go to my website. I have a contact me side of things or my email. You can email me too. So there's that. So the Instagram Q&A for the first question was how big do they get? And I did talk about this, but more than likely you're going to get the Strelitzia Regina or Regina, whatever it's called, Reginae. I think. <laughs> and that variety is going to stay a shorter variety, upwards of six feet in your home with the orange flower if it does bloom. So more than likely you're going to get that one. But the Nikolai variety also was one of the more common ones found, which has the white flower and gets upwards of 20 feet. So maybe that one will get about 15, 20 feet. If you're buying it from a houseplant shop or a garden center, I would ask to see if they know what variety it is. If they don't, then their grower might know and they might still be able to find out. Otherwise, they all look super similar besides when they bloom and when they're growing. So 
that's it's kind of a problem to be able to tell the difference between the rest of the varieties. But usually the Reginae or the Reginae, don't know how to pronounce it, but that one will stay about six feet and that is a very common one. Okay, the next question is, is it possible to have one in a north-facing window? And I say absolutely. The caveat to this is that the new growth may not grow as large or as fast, but it will do just fine in a north window. I would also say that you are strictly growing this plant for the foliage. You're not going to get a flower. I am not guaranteeing that that you can't get one, but I would just not bet on it if you're going to have it in a medium north window. The foliage will be totally fine. It will grow. It just might not grow as fast, might not grow as full or as large, and it might not bloom, but it will do just fine in that window. It won't kill it or anything. It won't cause damage to the leaves or anything like that. It'll do just fine. I'd say if that's the only window you have and you really want a bird of paradise, go for it. But if you're buying it to get it to bloom, then don't put it in a north window. Put it in a south window. So... That is what I've got for today. A lot shorter podcast, I know, but that is Bird of Paradise. Thank you for listening to episode 39 of Houseplant Homebody, all about Bird of Paradise. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at houseplant homebody llc on my website and don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting liking sharing and subscribing to the podcast my blog and social media posts i love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast and you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on patreon for early access to podcasts exclusive content and exclusive podcasts So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Howdy. So just two quick things. I don't have a lot to talk to you guys about, but hope you're doing well. The next podcast will be Philodendron Part 2. And I know that's a curveball because I like never mentioned this before, but I actually really did not like the Philodendron podcast I did in the very beginning. I think it was the fourth or fifth podcast. I left out a ton of information. I even think I got a Latin name wrong. So I'm going to go back through that podcast and see what's relevant, what needs to change, and kind of just redo it and revamp it because there are tons of philodendron varieties and I only went over a few of them. And philodendron have become super, super popular. So I wanted to make sure I addressed it all. So that question box will be coming up the day this is released on that Tuesday the 3rd. So watch out for that on Instagram and Facebook. Otherwise, I'll be asking that question again. So or just message me if you have philodendron questions in general. Also, My second note is that my Patreon exclusive podcast I will officially be releasing on Monday, August 9th. It's going to be Trendy Houseplants Part 1. So Patreon members, I will be posting a question on Patreon asking if you have any specific trending houseplant questions. That way I can do the Q&A with you as well, but it'll be obviously Patreon Q&A. So that will be coming soon. Also, Patreon members, I will be doing a tote bag and it will be shipping probably end of August for your July 
um, houseplant homebody merchandise. So super exciting. I'm doing tote bags. I'll reach out for your address in the next week or so. That way I can get it shipped to you. So hope everyone has a great week and I'll see you later. Bye-bye.